Good afternoon, welcome to the market route number 98. As ever, APW scouring the property world to find you information that help you buy, possibly buy, think about buying, maybe buy in the UK residential market. Stuart Williamson here at the helm. What are we covering this week? This week, we're going to be covering exciting topics such as consumer confidence. When will interest rates increase? Mortgages. What's the current trend? And finally, how can you get a 12% rental yield on a buy-to-let property? Or should I say, how can I get a buy-to-let rental yield of 12%? Now, we've talked in various notes about the resilience of the UK consumer in the face of the fastest rate of inflation for 30 years. Sentiment has held firm, which has translated into spending. ONS data reveals visits to retail and recreation locations were at 90% of their pre-pandemic levels in the run-up to these Easter holidays. Bookings at restaurants were the strongest they've been for seven months. That's all very positive. Very good news. However, new data is showing that sentiment has plunged in April. GFK's reading of consumer confidence measured it as second lowest since records began nearly 50 years ago. This was to be expected, really. I mean, if you think about it, the Bank of England has raised interest rates for three consecutive times in March. You know, official now, officials are now appearing to be much more uh, negative about the prospects of f future hikes, but they're still going to be them. They suggest that energy prices will eventually stop rising and a squeeze in real incomes will, and a quote from the Bank of England, put significant downward pressure on domestically generated inflation. The crucial question really is, is, is when the latest drop in market sentiment leads, will lead to a contraction in spending? So when, when this negativity mean that people stop spending? In addition, borrowing costs are probably gonna to have to rise further because consumer demand is unlikely to fall soon enough to stop businesses from pushing through price increases. So further inflation is on the, is on the horizon. Um, the Bank of England rate setter, excuse me, Catherine Mann said in a speech yesterday that they, were, that they thought that interest rates would have to go up, although perhaps not in the levels seen last year or what we expected last year. Governor Andrew Bailey was relatively coy on the issue and warned about the risks of persistent inflation during talks at the IMF and World Bank spring meetings. He reported yesterday, we are walking this very, very fine line, he told the FT. Now the next base rate decision is due on May the 5th. Every chance it will go up further. So what are current mortgage rates? Let's look at the changes recently. Basically, Knight Frank say that the best deals have, have doubled in the last six months. So now what you could get 1% is now 2%, but still 2% is still very low by historic standards. The cost of living hasn't hit home in the sales market yet, in the, in the property market, but will feed through into decisions of buyers and lenders later on this year, like Frank say. Meanwhile, HMRC ref released figures yesterday that there were 110,990 UK property transactions in March, the highest they've been for nearly 10 years. So despite the negativity, despite the negative sentiment, P 
people are still buying very quickly. Knight Frank also report that an increasing number of homeowners are opting for longer term fixed mortgages in a bid for stability. It's said that the initial term length of new fixed rate mortgages being taken up by consumers had gone by 17%. While Santander has revealed that 55% of its new customers took out five year fixed rate deals last year, up from 12% in 2016. So you can see a trend. We're still worried, but we're still gonna push on, but we're gonna add a little bit of cautiousness to our attack. Halifax launched a new five year fixed rate deal this week, which is cheaper than its two year fixed rate equivalent. It's got a no fee, five year fix, and it's priced at 2.82% for borrowers with a 40% deposit, compared to a rate of 2.9% over two years. Historically, you would pay more for longer term deals than you do for shorter term. So that's quite positive. In the offshore world, we currently have fixed rates at 3.9%. So 1% more for being offshore. Now, how can I get 12% on my buy to lets? It's a high figure, double what most clients would be very happy with. And the way to do this is using houses of multiple occupancy or HMOs. Now, a HMO is basically where you've got six professional uh, workers or six students, perhaps, or four living in the same house, sharing the utilities. Why is it so profitable? Firstly, you get a higher yield. HMOs can be up to three times more profitable than standard buy to lets. And what is rental yield? It's the property's annual rental income as a percentage of the property's total value. So when you're renting by the room, you often get a better yield because you're working the asset harder, you're sweating it harder rather than just a house, family, kids don't pay the rent, dogs don't pay the rent, in this everyone pays the rent. With HMOs you have fewer void periods. Because they're let to multiple tenants, landlords can minimize total voids compared to standard buy to lets. For example, if you have got a six bedroom HMO, even if two, two of the tenants move out, there'll still be four other people paying while you find new ones. In a standard buy to let, when one tenant moves out, that's it, it's void. Thirdly, high demand. Demand for high quality HMOs is rising, particularly since the pandemic. But the number of HMOs in England and Wales, which is just under 500,000 according to figures from 2018-19, is still dwarfed by the number of private renters, 4.7 million. This means it's a great opportunity for landlords to capitalise on the demand for good quality shared living particularly in the London and other large English towns and cities. Why is it in demand? Because people can't afford to rent. HMOs tend to be cheaper because you are only getting one room instead of a whole house. So they're in demand from that perspective, especially with the cost of living squeeze. Fourth point is you get less exposure to rent arrears. With more individual tenants in a HMO, landlords are less prone to problems with rent arrears. So if one tenant does fall into arrears, the others may still be paying in full, lessening the impact on the landlord's cash flow. In addition, you know, once you've bought the house, once you, you've bought your HMO, you, you can add more rooms on it, potentially increasing the yield, the rental income, garage conversions, loft conversions, those sort of things. And you can either buy a HMO that's already set up, 
or you can buy a how, an old house and do it up. One of the issues that there are a lot of rules around running HMOs, uh, room sizes, overcrowding, that sort of stuff, and you need to have a year's worth of experience as a HMO manager to actually manage a HMO, which is a bit catch-22 really. Um, but what it does mean, you can always employ a HMO manager to start off with to get your experience. So basically you add more rooms, you make the asset work harder, so you're sweating it more, which is what's available via a HMO and not via a simple buy-to-let. So those are your choices. The final point would be, you know, if you reno the place and get it into a really good quality place, you get a much better quality of tenant. So it works very well. Here I'm showing you a real life example in Hull. Uh, it's basically rented out to Filipino nurses at Hull Royal Infirmary. The purchase price is a, was £130,000. It offered a gross yield of 12.4% or £16,000 a year. The bills which you as landlord pay are £380 per week, reducing the net yield to 8.9%. But, so it's a great deal, but be careful. Here is an example in Bristol where it's become HMO Homeland. Okay, it's residents living in the Bristol ward of Cotham, I think that's how you pronounce it, have got the highest density of HMOs in the whole of Bristol. With one uh, resident in the area saying the situation is becoming intolerable. A quarter of the houses in Cotham are classed as HMOs, according to data released by British City Bristol City Council. And there are 1,046 houses of multiple occupancy in that area, which means Cotham has 21.7% of all their housing are HMOs. One of the residents there recently reported in the Bristol Evening News, I think it is, um, he'd been there 30 years and he said, one of the main problems is that students are with us for a very short period and so do not properly and fully embrace the residential community they descend upon or respect the needs of others in the neighbourhood. For them, loud parties and gatherings are acceptable any day of the week at any time. I mean, I remember when I was at university, we used to have garden parties and we had no respect at all. You know, Sunday night when people put their kids to bed, early night, we'd be out there partying. Yes, Mr. Draper goes on to say, for young families, mothers and babies, people working and elderly, this becomes intolerable. With more people working from home and those on flexible shifts, Daytime parties can become problematic. Problematic. Houses in this area, Cotham in Bristol, are very close together, so sound travels very easy between the properties, and in particular between gardens. I was always living next door to me. It is a frequent occurrence in the summer that we can't enjoy our own gardens because of the loud music, music coming from the student gardens. So you need to be careful where you buy. What is the percentage of HMOs? all that sort of stuff, okay? It, it's an important thing to consider. Is the, is the market already saturated? Is it not? You know, so HMOs are you know, a great investment opportunity, but do do your research. We have a, an ebook, which is our HMO ebook, and this is the, the link is here. If you'd like to learn more, please download it. Thanks for listening. I hope you understand basically that Interest rates are going up, but again, perhaps not so high as we thought it might do. Consumer confidence has taken a knocking in the UK. That's going to affect the market. And thirdly, if you want to buy something different from a standard buy-to-let, then HMOs are a good idea. As we reported last week, 
We don't expect the market to tank in any way. It'll slow down in the UK and then pick up again. And that's according to Knight Frank, OBR, all these sorts of different uh, people. We do sell property for a living, so we are bound to say there's not going to be a crash. But even if there is, let's look, at, look back to the global financial crisis. Property dropped by, I think, 14%, but it was back above its highest level two years later, 22 months later. So it's only a risk if you over leverage and overcommit yourself. So just do the figures and make sure you don't. That's it for this week. As I said, download the ebook if you wish. We've got quite a few other ebooks out there you might find useful. Also, subscribe, like, and um, hope you enjoyed it. Do take care. Thank you. Bye bye.